Welcome to In the Village, a Prisoner intro cast. This week's episode is A, B, and C. But before we start, my name is Shane, as I'm joined by my good friend John. Hello. And our guest, Will. Hello. We've got no Aaron this week. Um, unfortunately, he got attacked by Rover, and he's in the hospital. Damn you, Rover. Damn you. <laughs> But he was able to send us a voicemail, so you can, uh, so you can we'll be hearing that later. But uh, before we uh, start, uh, Will, um, uh, are you a newbie to this uh, to our lovely show? Yes, I am a newbie. I had heard about the show at least, I guess, maybe when they did the remake, and I remember recording the remake because Ian McKellen was in it. But I never got around to watching because I heard it wasn't that good, and I needed to clear space off my DVR. And then I started doing a podcast about Babylon 5 and kept hearing about all these prisoner references and wanted to see it. And when I heard you guys were doing this podcast, I decided I'd take this opportunity to watch it. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Uh, do you want to tell us more about Down Below? Uh, yes, uh, it's an intro cast about Babylon 5. We have two veterans and two newbies. Right now, we're at the beginning of season three of Babylon 5 out of five seasons. It's going really good. Downbelowpodcast.com. And I've gasped on it I don't know how many times now. Yeah, a bunch of times. Yes. <laughs> especially early on when we didn't have a lot of guests. We could always count on Shane to jump in and fill the spot. Yeah, um, that um, one slot per season will went straight out the window for me, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll go to the TV war synopsis as always. Why did the prisoner resign for his highly confidential job? The desperate efforts to extract the truth from him take a new turn when number two decides to take the risk of subjugating him to an experimental process which in dreams can be penetrated. Under the influence of a wonder drug, his subconscious thoughts can be converted into electrical impulses and finally into pictures on the television screen. So, to start with, we have the same number two as last week. Still well, yeah. I noticed the closed captioning said new number two, but the audio just said number two. Yeah. It just says, yeah, it does say I am number two instead of the new number two, which is, which obviously makes this later than the previous episode, even though this episode is actually broadcast first. Yeah. It's the hardest part about, yeah. So we uh, open up, and we see the uh, number two, and he's got a new phone. He's got that big red phone. Looks it like it's a huge phone. Yeah, <laughs> looks like he's the old big uh, presidential phone that you want to speak to when he, the old red hotline, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> what was wrong with the old phones? Yeah. I, yeah, very good question. I think it's more the fact that we know that number one is on the end of the phone, so. Or maybe it's just too big. He doesn't want to have to pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, to start with, uh, this episode is actually May 10th, and they wanted to do an episode using a lot of stock shots. And, uh, they just, so they've just filmed what, what, that it made the script whatever was left over on the MGM backlot. <laughs> so that explains the party? Yeah. Mm. Uh, next thing we see is it's raining in the village for the first time. It's actually thunderstorming. We actually have weather in the village? Yeah, I've <laughs> never seen that before. And these these two pe- uh, these two orderlies are taking uh, this person who we find out is number six into... Well, I can only best describe as a lab, which is another redress of the number two's office, the control room, etc., etc., etc. So it makes them take off their boots, and she's yep. kind of taking charge, and all. Yeah. You know, um, I think that was they were trying to imply that this, it was a clean environment, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you see later in the episode the size of the ventilation grates, I don't think that really matters. <laughs> uh, they put number six on the slab and they can see into what he's dreaming about 
And it's exact it's the same thing over and over again. The stock shot of from the start from the opening title is him resigning and him slamming the, his resignation letter on the desk over and over again. So is that the only thing he's dreaming about? That was really important, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought this whole device it was really neat. I know set and prop design has come a long way since then, but I thought it was neat how they just put the A, B, and C in the machine and then you know introducing the new the characters into his dream. Put him on the slab, and who we find out is number twelve, the female doctor. No, actually, I apologize. She's actually number fourteen. I do apologize. Can't read my own writing. And because they make mention of that later. Yeah, and yeah, he number six spots number fourteen, so she closes his eyes. And we find out it is an, a fraud experiment to find out why he resigned. Because as number six, as number two says, um, he wants to know why he resigned and what he had to sell and whom he had to sell it to. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I usually don't dream that linearly. You know, I mean, wouldn't that make the whole thing suspect? I mean, trying to crack somebody's brain like that when dreams are by their nature subjective? Yeah. Very, very good point. Very good point. They preload uh, Madame Ongadine's house. This house seems very familiar. Because it's the, it's the professor's house from last week's episode. Uh, well, you know, they only had the one house. So, yeah, they got to get the use out of it. Yeah, I, be- I believe so. And we introduced the parties. Quite a buzzing p- little party, actually. And after a while... Number two uh, introduces A to the proceedings. This guy reminded me of somebody. I could never put my finger on who, but he just looked familiar. His mustache. He was played by Peter Bowles, who was a very, very famous actor. In, well, I was going to say in the 60s. He was in practically anything you can think of. Avengers um, and everything like that. He, his most, probably his most famous role actually as I'm doing this off the top of my head uh, was Into the Manor Born which is a very famous BBC comedy program from the 70s mm. and we find out that uh, Peter Bowles' character A uh, was a, a former British spy who then defected uh, used to be friends yeah. a long time ago mm. and he's trying to get then uh, number six to resign, not to resign, sorry, to defect even. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And was, uh, sorry, well, so it was kind of creepy just how determined he was to, <laughs> you know, get six to join his team, get join his side. Mm. And uh, number six leaves the party only to be confronted by by A. Um, back in the uh, lab, number two is. Quite uh, words because he's leaving the party, and he, number fourteen can't do anything about it because it's number six's dream. So uh, number uh, num- a-, a takes him to a to a location, and we have a massive fight. We can't seem to go in an episode without a fight. Yeah, he's just got to be punching somebody lately. Yes. And number six, after the fight, says, "Be seeing you." Yeah, I think that's sort of the real world bleeding into his dream right there. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of makes the whole thing, you know, you know, it's uh, kind of suspect. You know, I mean, why? How? I mean, <clears throat> this seems like an episode that is uh, kind of tailored toward the unreliable narrator. I mean, how much? Yeah. How much of his like dreamscape is his actual life, and how much is, you know, just generated from the machines? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, so we, so number fourteen and number two. Uh, no, it wasn't A. So we cut to uh, number six waking up in the morning, and I'm not sure if you noticed it. And something I never noticed until it was pointed out to me very, very recently, as in the past couple of months, 
as number six is putting his dressing gown on and walking through from his bedroom to his hall, there are muddy footprints on the floor from where the orderlies picked him up from his bed the, the previous night. I didn't see that. That's pretty sloppy. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't care. They're just incompetent. Hey, yeah. You think they would have uh, you know, taken better care for that. Mm. I have to give a shout out to the great guys of the Village People podcast for pointing that out because I had no... I had no clue. There's also the needle marks. So I guess they couldn't have done much about that. Mm. So number six goes to his front door. And number 14 is buying flowers outside number six's house. <laughs> I'm sure if I was number 14, I would go nowhere near number six. They're the worst spies ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are. I mean, honestly... You know, I mean, she's she's part of a top secret, you know, research development thing. And now let's just let's just go buy flowers, whatever. Outside number six's house. Right. <laughs> oh, um. So number six confronts number fourteen, and he gets absolutely nowhere. Um. Yeah, she just kind of shut him down pretty quickly. Yeah. And so, uh, number two, number six versus number two. And number six knows something is up. Yeah, he lets them know that he knows. Yeah. it's <laughs> awesome. And I'm, I love the little bit with um, where he actually goes out of his way to... Sh- uh, sorry. Number six goes goes out of his way to actually show number two the scar yeah. on his yeah. wrist. Uh, what did he say? Like, was it this scene or later where he says, "I have a favorite doctor"? Oh, it was this scene. Yeah, it was this scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> number, yeah, number, number fourteen. 14. <laughs> and number two faces. What the hell? <laughs> then he gets that? the phone call. How do you know that? Yes. Yes. So we know. So we we know number six. Is, oh, number two is in trouble. Of, of the is very very wordless, and we cut to uh, night time, and the maid is putting his coffee on the side, and number uh, six is going to bed, only for him to drink the coffee and completely pass out. Yeah, you you think he would have you know known better at that point, but yeah, whatever. And then we cut to the dream sequence again, to the party, Madame Ongadine's party. I haven't mentioned her name yet. And we are introduced to B in the Arbor, as they quite lovely pronounced. Out in the Arbor. Yeah. Which ended up being a hedge maze and not an arbor, but... Yes. Whatever. Whatever. So, Will, are you going to say something? Um, I was going to say, how do you spell Arbor? Because I spelled it with a U, and I'm wondering if I'm becoming English, or that's how you spell it over here as well. Uh, Sorry. I don't, know, I don't know. I don't have the script in front of me. A-R-D-O-R, I think. Hold on. Okay. To the Google. <laughs> well, you're Googling that. We will, um, <laughs> we'll carry on. Um, we've got uh, number, number six, yeah. Dancing with B. And uh, they haven't, seem to be having a wonderful time. Uh, however, it's not getting them anywhere. So number fourteen decides to. Well, they they make mention that they don't have a lot of information on her. Yeah. And that's affecting the uh, program or drug or whatever it is. Yeah. So num- so they decide to uh, fake and call in to the call into the dream, as it were. Because you could totally do that. Yes, exactly. Uh, so uh, number fourteen. Is calling into the dream as B, and um, number six isn't um, isn't playing ball. He knows something is up, and he's asking B all these questions which he should know the answer to. But are they fake questions? I don't know. Well, he um, he talks about there was a uh, like uh, how old is your kid? But the file yeah. that they had didn't didn't show a child. It just showed yeah. the the husband that had been dead for like four years. Yeah. So is is he playing with expectations or does he actually know stuff? Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. And then um, 
we have we have another little fight sequence. Another fight. Yep. And if you look very very closely, Ooh, the same number guys. six. Yeah, number six splits his trousers. <laughs> well, you know he's a non-stop man of action. Another thing I'd never noticed before, but thanks to the Village People podcast. Hi, Roo! <laughs> um, so, that's a, so that's an absolute failure. Um, and because po- someone's pointing a gun at B, but number six walks off. Yeah. So that's, yeah, so, yeah, so that's a complete, an adject failure. And, uh, so we cut to the following day, and number uh, six noticed yet another needle prick on his arm. So he knows that something is definitely, definitely up. So he decides, aye, aye. so he decides to, uh, follow number 14. Which, you know, for being, a, you know, this, uh, impregnable, unescapable, uh, super spy breaking facility, you know, they don't have a lot of guards. <laughs> no. I mean, you could just, you know, go off, chop down a tree, nobody cares, you know, follow people around, take the one uh, camera that's obviously exposed, you know, nobody cares, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> and number six, number six breaks into the lab using the ventilation shaft. The huge ventilation shaft. Yeah. Plenty <laughs> of room for you to crawl through. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing that, uh, the grate on that wasn't like bolted in or anything. You know, you yeah. just pop it out. <laughs> I know. I mean, don't don't even try and make it work for it. What was she wearing? Some kind of cape or something? Yeah, some rainbow cape. Yeah. yeah, it's the it's the cape everybody's wearing around the village. Okay, except for yeah. six because you know he's such a killjoy. He just want to play ball. He just wants to be different. Yeah, always wearing his blacks and his khaki trousers. Yeah, because um, the bit where number 14 uh, comes out of her house is the only bit of the episode that was actually specifically filmed on location for this episode. Really? Mm. They just did everything else on the back lot? Yeah. Mm. Uh, it was it was done as I... Did it. it was what? So I'm just so I'm, I'm just running my note here. Um, it was uh, done by the second unit in early March. A local woman doubled for her as number 14 in a shot where she emerged from the Bureau of Government House. So, yeah. Other other things were done uh, for other episodes, but they were just put into this episode. Uh, so, number six finds uh, the lab, and he goes and does a little bit of um, finders and keepers, if you remember that TV program. And rummages around and finds all the information he wants. Yeah, because, you know, that that place isn't going to be guarded or anything. No, exactly. Exactly. You would think there'd be some sort of surveillance camera in there, maybe. Yeah, seriously. I mean, they've got cameras everywhere else. <laughs> yeah. No, he's six. He's protected by plot convenience. Yep, definitely. Nobody else uses the lab, I guess, except for 14. Possibly, yeah. Uh, then he finds the drugs, and he squeezes the drugs out. Yeah, that was—I thought that was actually pretty inventive. That he uh, dilutes the poison so that uh, he'll be able to have more control over his headspace. Yeah, I thought the napkin was going to come back into play later when he squeezed the drugs onto. Yeah, but there was a long time where we just had no dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, yeah. Um, I was going to say something there, but that, that would actually be spoilers, so I'm not going to. Um, uh, so. You mean s- spoilers? Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, number, s- uh, we see number two wake up, and he seems to live underneath the control, his, his, um, office. So he comes up from the floor. Like the shortest work commute ever. Yes. <laughs> just, just live under the floor. Yeah. There's so milk waiting for him. So does he just yeah. does he just live down that hole in the little bubble chair, you know? He's he's just stuck down there all the time. Well there was a well there was a lot of room underneath the green dome, so maybe he's got a proper house underneath there. 
Well, one would hope. He never gets out of the chair, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I might have a proper house down there, big flat screen TV on the wall. Can watch <laughs> number six all day. Curse you, six. You won't play long. I move and walk away from the bed to the <laughs> to the chair, so he doesn't even have to move much. <laughs> so the village anyway, is just chock full of lazy people. Is what you're saying? Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we cut to night, and number six notices the cup. Will notice the coffee that's been left for him, and he decides to yeah, put not, it down. Yeah, I'm not going to have coffee. I'm going to get me yeah. a glass of water. Nope. Yeah. Drug too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually thought that was pretty inventive. That you know they were going to drug him no matter what, and <laughs> it just goes to show that uh, how much control that they actually have that they apparently kind of forget about. But <laughs> I'm going mean, to actually put, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to put something else in there. Actually, if you don't mind, mm. um, we don't actually know the water. We we think the water is drugged because he collapses. However, yeah. I took it another way. What was that? Um, we, the water isn't drugged, but he's collapsing because his, the people who are watching him expect him to collapse. That's what I thought at first, but yeah. I was thinking that he would actually did get drugged since he went into the dream. Yeah. Hmm. That's true, but then why make the, the big show about uh, dumping out the coffee? I mean, he knows that they're watching him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, why couldn't he have just, you know, faked drinking the coffee and then passed out? Possibly. I, it was just a uh, just a different uh, thing out there for you. Mm. Um. Uh. But we cut to the party, and it's the, uh, we see the point of view of number six as he goes into the party, and, and it's all yeah, yeah. cantered and yeah. at a Dutch um, angle. Yeah, exactly. And we, I love that piece of music. I, I have I to say, it's, my, it's probably my favorite piece of music in the entire run of The Prisoner. I have to be honest with you. Um, but everyone seems, everyone seems to be quite drugged out, actually. It's really, really quite hot. <laughs> well, it is the 60s. I mean, yeah, exactly. He's exactly. making all these references to dreamy dreams yeah. and whatever. <laughs> Psychedelics is sixes. Yeah, don't don't play your hand too early there, six. I mean, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but he goes to the uh, mirror and he moves the mirror, so everything seems to go back to normal. So we, tr- so we go from a 1960s Batman villain there, <laughs> with everything being on a tilt. <laughs> I actually thought that w- that was a good. Um use of the fact that he knows he's in a dream so he has to, to change something to make everything you know, seem yeah. okay. Yeah. And I, I wish that they had actually done more of that kind of stuff. Um, just kind of you know, it's in his headspace. Let's play with expectation. You know, let's not... Yeah. I mean, I realize that, you know, they're working on a budget here, but, you know, you can do a lot with just, like, implying stuff. But no. They don't. Yeah, yeah. It's the prisoner mm. forever destroying my expectations. Mm. And then, uh, Madame Ongadine, uh, introduces number six to this other woman who gives her her earring to play roulette with. Yeah, and he plays it on six. Yeah. <laughs> His lucky number, apparently. And that earring gets replaced with a key as that woman decides to sink off into the crowd. For no real reason. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, we find out Madame Onkadine's got the other key. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's, uh, was that, was the bit with the roulette wheel before they plugged in the, the C program, or was that after? It was after. Okay. Because, uh, they knew, don't know anything about C. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we find and Medimogandina number six uh, leaves the party and we go to a door and they unlock the door and the dream cuts out yeah can you say can you say commercial break (laughs) (laughs) 
Way to go for the hard cut there, guys. Yeah. And then we come back from commercial break, the most obvious commercial break I've ever seen, <laughs> ever. Um, and uh, You're talking great yeah. talk. I always do, that's why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then Madame Moncadina number six are in a car in Paris. I say, I think I'm say in the car in Paris, but um, it's, it's on the green screen. Oh, 1960s green screen driving. Yeah. And what's great about this is if my memory serves me, and I don't have it to hand, but if my memory serves me, the green screen for this shot, the green screen canopy, as it were, was right next door to the um, old people's home um, back um, um, uh, top that we saw earlier in this episode. Really? I'm sure I'm going to be corrected on that, but that was that's the, I saw the picture of that years ago, so I could be mem- remembering it wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. And then uh, Madam Morgan Dean drops them off. Yeah, he has to go meet the mysterious what's his face guy. Yep, outside the um, uh, place with those big doors, and we've seen this location before, haven't we, chaps? <laughs> Are you trying to imply that they are reusing locations here, Shane? <laughs> it was the exhibition hall in Charms of Big Ben. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, I'd, I'd seen it before. I didn't know it was actually uh, uh, from Chimes of Big Ben, though. Yeah. I should do more research. And then uh, number six goes through the door, and he finds him on the back lot of MGM of MGM Studios. <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> yes, <coughs> which I'm pretty sure is meant to be uh, um, back streets in France. <laughs> and the hooded figure goes up to number six, and number six. By this time, you know that number six knows that something's up. But the way he's talking as well. well. I figured they were going to. Um, I mean, this is really the only time we see it during the third dream. But I figured that they were going to do more of the whole. Uh, if I could get my thoughts in order, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, six manipulating his own dreamscape. But yeah. Yeah. no. Uh, number six, a mask. Number two, so. Yeah, um, I'm asked the creature, I'm asked the person, and we find out the person is actually number two. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It was number two the whole time. The whole time, yes. Yeah, this is a look on number two's face when the mask comes off. Yeah. Priceless. I wasn't there, really. It wasn't me. <laughs> oh, and then they give them the uh, the envelope, which is full of travel brochures. You idiots! I wasn't. So I was. I was really going on vacation. Yes. And number six. Uh, in in the dream, number six walks into the lab, and gives the dream number two his papers that he was going to. And yeah. we find out, in fact, that he was actually going to give him travel brochures. Sure, he was. Of course, it raised the question again. I mean, how much of this? is, you know, his memories and how much of this is him just fabricating stuff. He should have just messed with him a little more. <laughs> been fun. Even though we do see um, some stuff in the opening in the opening titles that look like he's going on holiday, so... Yeah, but we've been seeing that for episode after episode. It doesn't mean anything. Well, that's true. <laughs> so that's why he resigned, because he just wanted some more time to go on holiday... Possibly. <laughs> Possibly, but no. It's working too hard. Yeah. And then um, and it and it, it cuts back to the repeating sequence of number six resigning over and over again. And number two looks completely and utterly deflated. And the phone rings. That huge impractical phone. Yeah, and it fades to black. And that's the end of our episode. I don't think we're going to see this number two again. That's, is that a good prediction? You'll find out. Ha! <laughs> Goddamn shame. Uh, again, it, it 
you know, what what happens to the number twos after they leave? Because um, you know, every time that phone has rang in, in this episode, uh, he has gotten freaked the hell out. Yes. Yeah. He does not want to talk to whoever is on the other side of that. He said he's not indispensable and promised to, I guess, get the answers in two days. Yeah. I think yeah. he's going on a permanent holiday. Mm. <laughs> and, of course, he failed last time, Rain, because he because of the uh, general experiment yeah. as well, because that actually killed the professor and um, number two's assistant, whose number two I've completely forgot off the top of my head. Um, just one uh, note that... Uh, don't, I'm not going to even try to speak in Italian, but in Italy it was known as to sleep perchance to dream. Which is a quotation from William Shakespeare's Hamlet, X3, Scene 1. Because everybody quotes Shakespeare. Uh, and uh, one, other, one other quickie note. Uh, the print of A, B, and C, screened by Channel 4 in 1983 and 1992, was incomplete, missing the last 3 minutes and 20 seconds of Act 2. And that is all of it. So have you got um, any have you got any further notes with John before we move on to the lovely uh, ad break? Um not really. I again I just wish they had played more with the dreamscape. Cool, brilliant. Great, great, great. Well, um we were chatting about Wheel's podcast. Uh, down below earlier on, so let's hear an ad for it. I was there at the dawn of the third age of podcasting. It began in the year 2014 with the start of Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast located at downbelowpodcast.com. It was a port of call for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers from all over the world. It could be a silly place but it was our last, best hope for intelligent analysis. Under the leadership of two veterans and two new viewers, Down Below was a dream-given form, a place where everyone could come together to discuss the show with mutual respect. Down Below was the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. Listen to a story on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or downbelowpodcast.com. And that was the ad for the lovely Down Below podcast that I have guested on too many times to count now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be guesting later on, much later on in season three, uh, considering Sergeant Drano actually took the episode I wanted. Damn you, Sergeant Drano! Damn. <laughs> it got an episode a lot of people wanted, I think. Mm. Yeah. But we won't tell you why everybody wanted that episode, because that'll be spoilery. Yeah. Um, but uh, first of all, we're going to go into our feedback. And first of all, we've got a voicemail from Aaron. And the voicemail is this. All right, guys, what's going on? So I'm not there this week. Sorry about that. Work plans kind of got in the way of my recording. So we're going to leave you with it. This is all my stuff from this episode that I really liked. Maybe some of the stuff I didn't like. We'll see how it goes. Oh, and my rating. So the ABC... Honestly, I think this has become my favorite episode. This is kind of what I had hoped to expect to find and see in The Prisoner when we first started. It's kind of what I thought it would be, but... No, excuse me. I had something stuck in my throat. But I really liked it. It was really full of action, kind of what I expected, kind of out of a spot. I mean, once we started... Once we started kind of, you know, got into it, I realized, okay, maybe it's not what I expect. But then we got to this episode, and I'm really, really loving it. Um, It's really, I really enjoy a lot of the action, particularly in the dream sequences. And it's kind of what I thought the show was involve a little bit more of, you know, kind of going into it. Um, So looking at the drug, you know, they're really, really bad about being subtle, aren't they? Uh, when they int- get into the dream, it's like, uh, you, you would think, you know, with all the information they claim to have on him, that they would get a lot more about his people that he would interact with and try to sell out. And 
I think this episode provides, you know, a, a good theory. And obviously we get rid of that theory and no, he wasn't selling out. So for a minute there, you kind of wonder, oh, is Six really not this good upstanding guy that we think he might be, depending on why he retired. And some of the things we've had kind of indicated maybe not there. It was, a, you know, the, the conflict of interest or something he didn't agree with when he finally retired. So luckily, no, he's not selling out. And I have to say, it's kind of hilarious how well he turns on he turns it on them how quickly he realizes oh there's something wrong and this is this is kind of you know kind of shows just how desperate they're getting you know i know we're only on our seventh or eighth episode at the point but you would think you would think they would have tried some some other things before jumping straight into this i guess maybe this episode could have been later in the viewing towards the end of the season but i'm not the expert on you know uh viewing so uh, it's you know it's a much more aggressive episode. Uh, I really I really enjoy it. It's probably my favorite episode. I'm definitely gonna have to give it you know probably just for the lack of you know a little bit of some of the awkwardness of science bit. I, I'm gonna have to give it eight eight syringe filled needles out of ten. So I uh, I hope the next one. As for my prediction for the the schizoid man, um, I, I honestly gonna have to say it's gonna have to be something doing. You know, he brings up a couple of interesting gonna, points though. Someone's gonna have a lot of muttering and talking to themselves, and it's gonna be a lot of is this what I'm seeing real or not? Sorry, real? I thought. Will was going to take that. No, no. Fine. Be that way. <laughs> Did we lose Will? <laughs> Thank you very much, Aaron, for that. <laughs> way to go, man. You know, yeah. Mm. I'm sorry, I couldn't get my microphone to unmute. Technology <laughs> 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 got earlier, wasn't it? Yeah. To uh, answer the question, as I reach over to my notes, they give uh, me a second. Third or fourth in uh, uh, broadcast the question, order. This episode was filmed... Uh, yeah, yeah, tenth, yeah. But it's... What was it, second on the... On the... Well, mm. This episode was filmed... No, not at all. As I go to my trusted DVD box set. It was filmed, it was shown third. So film 10th, shown third, and, and we're reviewing it as number seven. <laughs> Slightly confusing. <laughs> and we've also got a voicemail from the good old Sergeant Drano. So I'll play that as well. Incoming transmission from Station 7, The Door. Hey, this is Sergeant Drano from Station 7, calling in with feedback for A, B, and C. In the beginning of this episode, we hear number two saying, I am number two, instead of the usual, the new number two. I like that. I think the applications are pretty self-evident. Uh, we do get confirmation in this episode that the white stuff number two drinks is actually milk and not something more disgusting. Uh, and what with his future apparently in peril, I wonder if he's dealing with an ulcer from stress maybe. Uh, the scientist number 14 is now the third villager we've heard of with that number. The first was the old chess master from Checkmate, and the second, we are told in this episode, was an old woman in a wheelchair. I like that number 6 immediately pegs this number 14 as one of them. Uh, this episode also introduces us to the big red phone, clearly more important than the other phone since it's much bigger. Uh, number six's anguish pattern is interesting. This seems to imply that every moment that he's asleep, he's reliving the moment that he resigned his job. That's fascinating to me. Uh, any thoughts on what it could mean? I like the concept in this episode of finding out what number six would have done if the village hadn't abducted him. To me, the events that lead up to his resignation and what might have followed are one of the most compelling mysteries of the show. And this episode really tries to delve into those. When A tells number six that he knows about his resignation, number six is surprised. A says, news travels quickly, and number six responds, in a matter of hours. So, are we supposed to believe that if number six hadn't been grabbed, one of the very first things he would have done a few hours later is go to Madame Angadine's party? This just seems really odd to me. I like the clever bit where number six shows number two the mark on his wrist and makes a logical deduction based on number two's lack of reaction to it. Nice. Number six is probed about his resignation several times this episode, and one thing he says more than once is, I need time to think. This feels like the truth to me, and this is associated with why he resigned. Any thoughts about what this might mean? Why does number six need time to think? 
What might this tell us about why he resigned? I love number two's bedhead when he literally rises in the morning. So I guess he really does sleep down there, somewhere under the floor. I also like the way the village somehow manages to drug number six with the tap water for the third round. I like that sometimes number six outsmarts the village, but sometimes the village outsmarts him. I love the music and the crazy Dutch angle feel of the dreamy party during attempt C. Take particular notice of the woman who gives number six her earring and tells him to bet on number six. I'm sure it's your lucky number. I don't think it's revealing too much to say that you will see her again. There's debate about whether it's supposed to be the same character or whether it's just the same actress playing a different role. I like to think that it is the same character, and I would place this episode and the general quite a bit later in the series because of that reason. Uh, were our new arrivals surprised when D was revealed to be number two? I have to admit, I was surprised the first time I saw it. I thought it was a good lead-up, good reveal. Great look of shock on number two's face when he sees himself in the dream. I love the out-of-body experience 2 and 14 get when number 6 then walks into a dream version of their lab, complete with them in it. And the 2 and 14 can't help but look around to see if number 6 is somehow going to walk in on them for real. Number 6 definitively states in this episode, I wasn't selling out. That wasn't the reason I resigned. Of course, he's controlling the dream, so he could be lying. What do our noobs think? All in all, I felt like this was a very solid, very enjoyable episode. I give it 8 out of 10 dreamy parties transmission terminated <laughs> thank you Sandrino yeah, I took him for his word I didn't think he was lying but it's a lot of good points a lot of good impersonations Drano personally I think that Sergeant Drano has been lying to us from the beginning and that he in fact was going to sell out and it was a proper and good thing that we threw him in the loop. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we also got a uh, email from Harold. Uh, John, do you want to take that? Yeah, just a second. Uh, email from Harold. This is one of my favorite episodes so far. I, I like the concept of being able to watch and manipulate dreams, and is, and how it seemed to me that Six's subconscious was on guard even in the first two dreams. However, once he's more alert, I like how he gives himself a James Bond-style soundtrack. It's also interesting that the spies never discuss ideology, that from being on one side or the other. I like this. Nine common glasses of milk out of ten. Harold. Excellent. That's brilliant. And we've also got a post as well. Uh, Victor de Grand writes, When I rewatched this episode, I started thinking about the phone ringing at the end. For sure it's meant to... It's, it, for sure it, that meant number two's tenure in the village has come to an end. And I wondered what happens to all the old number twos. Are they liquidated or sent to work in a spy agent the equivalent of Siberia? Or is it just another stop on the way up the career ladder? To advance, a spy has to spend so many years in the field. Do, do some covert operations and run a field office and spend one year at headquarters. And put a stint in, as number two in the village. But you don't have to be successful in all these assignments. After all, it's a civil service, so you don't have to check the boxes to show, to, to show that you have all those on your resume to move up the view chain. With all the turnover at the Green Dome, it would be hard to get people to check the job if it didn't lead to bigger things, and not just dire consequences. Uh, Sergeant Drainer comes back on that, and he writes... I don't think necessarily every number two situation is the same, and I don't think it's, it's his or her fate after tenure is necessarily the same either. When the number two and arrival gets to place in the middle of the episode, he doesn't look, act like it's a big deal at all. And when number two is replaced in free for all, it doesn't seem to be a big part of the plan to it seems to be a part of the plan to break number six, and the echo number two doesn't seem to be worried about what happens next either. However, there are certain other number two that are definitely are worried about their fate out of failure, so I think it just depends on the number two and it depends on the circumstances. And that is it for feedback. And as always, you can send uh, email feedback to uh, the prisoner intercast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, and our Twitter is. Um, uh, no one knows me. Uh, prisoner intro. 
or you can find us on the good old Facebooks. And the good old Facebooks address is if I can I can never remember the Facebook. I don't know why I can never remember the Facebook. <laughs> it is Facebook.com forward slash prisoner intro cast. So you have many, many ways of getting in contact with us. And you never know, we might even start an intro at some point too. <laughs> we'll just throw up surly pictures of number six yes, on our Pinterest. Yes. <laughs> so we're moving on to ratings now. And as well as you're our guest, what do you what do you want to rate this episode? Oh boy. Well, I agree with what Aaron said. This is my favorite that I've seen so far. Um I really like the dream stuff and I guess I like this kinds of stories. I would give it nine out of ten. But I had something a few minutes ago, but I forgot what I was going to say. Um, nine out of ten needle marks. <laughs> that wasn't it, though. It was something else. <laughs> okay. Well, it works for right now. If I think uh, of it, I'll say. <laughs> uh, John? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Aaron. Um, I like this episode. I thought that this was going to be more of the kind of stuff we were going to see coming in. Um. Again, I, I wish they had done more with the the dreamscape and more of like the when he tilts the world with the with the way he moves the mirror. Um, honestly, I'm going to give this probably about uh, six out of ten bent mirrors. Okay. Again, uh, for me, I like this episode. I mean, I, re- I really do episode, but it doesn't pale in comparison to what that we've got coming. Oh. Uh. I'm not yeah. Um, yeah, Jeez. I'm not saying anything on that. Um but I've do like this episode, so I'm actually gonna have to give this uh seven and seven out of ten bouquet of flowers. Oh, mine was gonna be about the something about the phone, the overly large red phones. <laughs> um it's a super fun. In indeed. Indeed. Uh something I completely forgot to mention last week. And I'm a complete idiot on that, uh, but I forgot to give us a, a, a shout out to the wonderful people who let us use their music for our theme. Uh, the, great, the great people over at Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling. Um, great band, great people. You can find their music at do not forsake.com. And if you're a newbie, um, uh, to this podcast, or to the prisoner, in fact, their first album, which is actually free to download, is now actually safe to download. Their first album is called The New <laughs> Number Two, and that is completely safe to download. So do go to do not com and download their music. So we've finally gotten through the point where we've seen all the episodes they made songs about. No, we've seen all the episodes that first album's about. Ah, <laughs> damn it. So it doesn't quite work like that. Sorry. Um, but we've got the episode that we're recording... Uh, in a couple of weeks on the as I lose my calendar here shift from uh, what's, the, what's the date in two weeks time it is uh, it's 22nd thank you very much so we've got the episode recording on the 22nd which will be a week after you hit you hear this um, which is called the Skitsword Man so gentlemen what is the Skitsword Man all about Crazy people? They're gonna, yeah, well. They're gonna do more stuff to number six, and they're gonna try to make him think that he's crazy. So, I don't know, maybe he'll tell them why he resigned. I don't know. Great. Great, great. Can you hear me? Yeah. You're not giving us much to work on, you're saying. <laughs> well. Otherwise, if I could, if I tell you, it'd be a spoiler, now, wouldn't it? Ah, damn it, James. <laughs> but that will be uh, episode number eight, I believe, which means we will be hit- hitting almost half of the series next time around. Well, so I don't know if you can say or if you've talked about this before. Was it only intended to be seventeen episodes, or however many there were? 
No. Uh, I haven't really mentioned this because it's a spoiler for an upcoming episode. Okay. So I don't really want to say anything. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't say anything because it's going to be a, it's going to be a spoiler for episode. Uh, and what I can say, however, is that they were originally going to make twenty. They wanted to make twenty six. That's all I'm mm. going to say. But there's a, there's a long, illustrious history of that, which I will get into when we get to a Pacific episode. Um, but. Uh, I think we're all done, so we'll speak to everybody in a fortnight. Bye-bye. Bye. Be seeing you.